Welcome back to another tantalizing episode of the Blue Line Brothers. Trucks Part 2. That it we is. love our trucks so much that we had to do a second episode on our trucks. <clears throat> Excuse me. So where were we? We were discussing the, uh, the finer points of the Ford Super Duty that we have chosen as our uh, God vehicles. Get out of Dodge vehicles. Uh, for uh, a handful of reasons uh, over maybe some of the other options out there. Uh, number one, a big honking V8 um, that's much easier to work on. Uh, a big honking frame uh, that might keep your torso in one piece if you happen to get in some type of catastrophic catastrophic collision or something like that. Um, uh, big honking specs like towing capacities and cargo hauling capacities. Um, oh, a big honking cab. Yes. <clears throat> uh, uh, big enough to sleep in um, if need well, be. <laughs> Um, you can push the seats all the way forward and actually sleep somebody on the floor and on the back seat. Yes, actually, we were disproving that fact, yes. as a matter of fact. Yes, yes. Although it is not designed for a <clears throat> average person to push the seat all the way forward. Nope. No, that would not be advisable. Unless, of course, you don't like your knees. Right. If you stand about two foot four and weigh, what, a whopping 40 to 50 pounds then you might be able to fit. Yeah, that'd uh, be with great. The seat fully forward, but but yeah. then if that's the case, you'd have to get personalized plate. You know the lollipop guild. But anyways, <clears throat> oh yeah. There, yeah, there we go again. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, yes, we we um, uh, chose these trucks. Uh, obviously, with the uh, short bed, uh, we've got what almost seven feet of length in the in the short bed version. I think it's six. Six and three quarters. Yeah, six point seven five feet. Basically, I think officially six point seven five feet of space in the in the bed. So, and, and in layman's terms, you can literally take a queen size mattress and fit it in the back. Yes, with some room to spare. And you have room at each end and side to side between the fender wells. Now, you mentioned your decked system both mm -hmm. in the other episode, so let's get into that. What? Uh, what's the deck system and how do you have it arranged as far as equipment? Because once again, it's great to have a truck, but if you don't have some of the the equipment to go along with the truck, eh, it could put you in a, in a bad well, spot. Well, the, the deck system that I have in mind, it uh, roughly 8 inches from the bottom of the bed to the top of the deck. And the top of the deck, it's... It's a flat piece that'll hold up to 20, 27, 2,800 pounds. <clears throat> now um, you're talking, it's a, basically a, a plastic or metal? Um, it's piece. a really thick plastic. Okay. Um, you, you pretty much have to cut it with a sawzall if you're going to cut it. Okay, so you, it provides security then. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody, the, the average bad guy is not going to, if he happens to see that you have a deck system, if you will, if he's, I can identify it and your, your tailgate is up and locked, uh, yeah, and said see, bad guy is going to have a very difficult time attempting um, to impinge it's got, the... It's got two drawers on it, and you can put a barrel lock on each drawer. Okay, now you have to have the tailgate down to access the, 
to right. excess. And the drawers come out. It's uh, it's either five and a half feet or six feet, and they have. <laughs> I can stand in the drawers with them fully extended, and they will not droop. Wow. And like mine, I have I have the two drawers and the one on the passenger side of the vehicle is where I have you know my straps, my chain. Um, <clears throat> you know, my, uh, my hitches and, um, things of that nature. Um, I have a little tool bag in there. And then the one on the driver's side is where I have, um, a couple of accessory bags. We'll put, we'll put it that way. You know, accessory my, bags. My go bags in there. Um, I have ammo. Um, a shotgun. Um, Tools of the trade, then. Couple, yes. couple axes and things of that nature in there. So it's 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 all one piece. It's all one system, but each drawer is designated its own little <laughs> uh, section for. Yes, we'll call it sections. Pieces of equipment, then. Helpful or helpful for me? Well, and, and it sounds like pretty heavy gauge plastic, so I mean, you can throw hatchets um, and tools and crowbars in there and not really worry about, you know, screwing up the. I want to say it's, it's about a half inch thick plastic, and it's molded okay. plastic, so it's not just your average little well with that weight rating heck you could actually throw a, a four-wheeler on top of it yeah. or something like um, that and still use your bed then. and the thing is that's part of the um we'll, we'll just call it the propaganda that when they try to get you to buy it is there's a picture of uh the deck system in the back of a truck and they have a four-wheeler sitting on top of it and there's a guy standing next to the four-wheeler okay and you know the even with all of that weight on there, you can still work the drawers because the drawers are, they have, um, um, <clears throat> their wheels and they sit in a track. So you literally with, um, one, two fingers, you can lift up the latch, it'll unlock and you can just pull it out with two fingers and it has a little notch that it sits in so it won't slam shut on you. And then, um, when you go to shut it, you lift up on it and you just give it a little push, and it'll just literally shut itself. Oh, great. You can lock them. And, and then with these trucks, because they have the locking tailgate, um, you can shut it, hit the lock button, and you're not going to open the tailgate, which that means you don't have access to the uh, the drawers. So is it is it fail-safe? No. Is it, you know, is it? going to keep somebody out if they really want in there? No. But your average Joe Schmo is not going to be able to quickly access the stuff that you have in there before you sneak up behind him and go, hey, how you doing? Exactly. Yeah. So they'd have to negotiate the tailgate plus the lock, the barrel locks on the drawers and all yeah. that stuff to get in and, or try to impinge through the top like <clears throat> saw through or something like that. Which well, is and you know, there, there are four tie-down points that you possibly could get to. But the way this is set up, there's two pieces and they overlap and down the middle, I think it's, God, it's like 15 half-inch 
bolts that go in there and they're two inches long I believe and then they go through the plastic into a metal a metal sleeve and then they the uh, threads are down at the bottom so it just pulls everything tight okay. um, <clears throat> and the way that it's set up so the top of your bed rail it it has the top and then it comes down and it kind of sucks into the, the actual side of the bed it actually is wider than the opening of the top of your bed rail okay. so you can't just lift it straight out you have to take it apart take it out in pieces in order to get to it gotcha so with it being what about eight inches tall it's still with a super duty bed being as deep as it is it still gives you mm -hmm. well uh, I'll give you an example <clears throat> a few so, inches, at least a half a foot or so so mine with the camper shell on it um, I, and a queen size mattress in there I can sit up and my head just barely touches the top of the camper shell. And uh, how tall are you? Uh, 5'11". So 5'11 and a perfect 175 pounds of uh, perfect yeah, physique. Yeah, 8th grade. Well, well, I'm trying to help you out here, man. Okay. <coughs> so, okay. <coughs> so, uh, so a 5'11", nearly 6' tall guy... Uh, can um, still with a this is I'd say an average size cap truck cap on here so yeah, it doesn't it's, protrude too high, uh, it's, too much above it's not the, the one that's got the the step up or anything it's just a, a straight across uh, it's just I think maybe about an inch taller than the top of the of the um, truck itself but you know I literally get in there and sit down and my head just it just barely skims the top of it. So okay. it's it's not a bad setup if you you got a mattress, throw some pillows in there, a couple blankets, you're done. Now I have to throw a quick homage out there because, well, I've got um, a couple of people that that wonder, you know, they're they're old college buddies that wonder why I have the truck that I have, and oh my gosh, it's a large truck and things like this. And, and to them, they, they always ask me about gas mileage because, mm -hmm. you know, in their world, gas mileage means everything because once again, you know, at the end of the days or, or end of the world or what have you, gas mileage is going to mean everything. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be asking you what your final gas mileage rating was in, in your truck, you know, before, prior to our demise and, and all this, and, mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll definitely be curious about mine, um, as will I be with, with uh, my other uh, friends and cohorts, family members, whoever I might be with. Uh, so what type of gas mileage do you get with the truck topper on here and, and your, um, um, your all your equipment in the bed of the truck and, and all this? On average, um, 17, 17 and a half. Yeah. So you've got what, we're, we're talking about a 7,000 pound vehicle a gigantic brick flying through the air on oversized <laughs> mud tires. Yep. Um, and let's see here, between the gear and the cab and the stuff you have in your bed, what you think, maybe what, five, six hundred pounds roughly, give or take? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Okay. So probably the better part of 8,000 <laughs> pounds flying through the air. And, um, well, when I had the stock tires on it, I was <clears throat> on the highway 
I think the best I got was like 19. 19, yeah. 19 and a half. So darn near 20 miles to the <laughs> gallon in a gigantic truck with a gigantic engine and transmission. Um, and you probably would had cruise control. And... Yeah, I, I, see, when I, when I got 19, I think I was doing 70, just set the cruise control and just let it run. And, and, it was and like see, nineteen point something, nineteen point three, nineteen point four. Once again, uh, everything within our physical realm has a sweet spot to it. And uh, aircraft, vehicles, boats—it doesn't make a difference. In that sweet spot where propulsion meets resistance, you know, it kind of equalizes out, and you know, you, you just have like a little field of harmony going through the air, mm-hmm. so to speak. And that's the thing. With with these trucks, it's no different. Even though they're larger and they're heavier and blah, 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 um, if one is cognizant of this fact and they they kind of gear their vehicle, you know, once again with the truck topper, you're a little more aerodynamic, uh, so that might pick you up a, a mile per gallon here or there, what have you. Oftentimes tires, depending upon the type of tread, because you've got a lot of resistance uh, with tires, uh, of course, so, you know, basically the, that's the four patches that touch the pavement or gravel well, or whatever. So just real quick on tires, <clears throat> the wider the tire, um, the more resistance you have. So right. when I had the stock tires on here, they weren't as wide and the, the amount of rubber that was actually in contact with the roadway was less, so that's why I was getting 19 miles to the gallon. Exactly. So lots of times, you know, when people throw on mud tires or oversized tires of some sort, whether it be a car or a truck, you are increasing um, the resistance, physical resistance from contact on the road, and therefore probably reducing your fuel mileage, whether it's diesel, gasoline, or what have you. So, all right, what type of tools... Do you keep um, uh, breaker bars, crowbars, stuff like that? You, you all set up for a you know possible flat tire and yeah. I mean, you you have like I just have the stock jack and <clears throat> stuff like that for flat tires. Uh, it comes with the truck, but in uh, in my tool drawer, I have. Two separate log chains, a snatch strap, um, a little bag of tools. It's got you know your usual stuff: pliers, screwdrivers, um, some zip ties. I got uh, a nut driver, a drill, two batteries, a charger, um, a myriad of um, ratchet straps, gloves. Uh, what else is in there? Um, of, of course, I've got two different hitches in there, extensions. Um, couple, couple pry bars, a hammer. Um, so if just you're your usual stuff. Yeah, well, usual stuff for people that may not be accustomed to owning a truck or towing or anything. You know, they may not realize that it's it's average stuff. So if we were towing a trailer routinely or even semi-routinely, we would probably prepare ourselves for 
you know, something, emergencies, mm -hmm. uh, we may not have to call AAA or roadside assistance or something like that. So we would have a, uh, you know, maybe a kit like you were talking about, zip ties, extra wire and stuff, just in case you may, might blow a fuse in a trailer or lights might go out. You might have a spare bulb or something. You might have to replace a lens or something like that. Um, tires, of course. Uh, if you happen to have a blowout or something, you have to change a tire. Having a breaker bar uh, would be handy. A breaker bar is a, is a longer handled, um, uh, basically ratchet handle uh, to help, um, well, either a ratchet handle or sometimes we, uh, like a, a longer steel tube that you could um, slide over a handle of a ratchet or wrench uh, to be able to um, loosen uh, lug nuts, things like that. Uh, which would come in handy. Leverage is always your friend, by the way. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> anything to help increase your leverage is a good thing. Uh, but once again, having gloves, having eye protection, things like that would be is, are, are awful handy things to have, let's put it that way. Even if you don't have a truck, uh, you might have a, 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 a car with a trunk or sizable rear end or something, where some storage area where you could keep uh, some quote-unquote emergency equipment um, you never know when you might have to uh, change your own flat tire if, uh, once again, roadside assistance is not available. Or if you happen to be in a God situation, get out of Dodge, uh, you, you will not have that luxury. So uh, <coughs> you, once again, might have some forethought and prepare a little bit. Uh, have some extra coolant, maybe. Have a little bit extra oil. Uh, you know, if you, if you know you're, uh, you have a... Uh, slightly older vehicle and it burns a little bit of oil then uh you know you think about these things ahead of time uh get yourself packed away and have a little bit of uh, an emergency bag if you will in the back or, or in the front or in between or whatever and um think about these things before uh some semi-catastrophic event might occur and you might be ready in case you do need to rely upon your vehicle to get out of dodge yeah, <clears throat> you, you can never or have something else because there may be other obstacles <laughs> that we may encounter as we are attempting to get out of Dodge. And of course, that's another reason that we picked the vehicles that we chose. So, uh, yes. Uh, now, obviously, in, in stock form, uh, just like you alluded to in the in the last episode, uh, we do have a few plans for maybe some possible modifications. Yeah. Um, so. What would you want to throw on the truck or change uh, to get ready for the uh, God incident? Well, if I was going to do it right now, I would put the I'd change out the front and rear bumpers with and put the um, what are commonly known as the off-road bumpers. They're the steel front and back bumpers. Um, you can get them integrated with lights and a winch and all that stuff. Um, I would put a um, an LED light bar on the top of the bumper and two light pods um, up here at the where the pillars meet the um, front quarter panels right there by your cowl um, I would get a <clears throat> removable winch for the back which will slide into the receiver um, then when it's not being used you just take it out and stow it away now that's another thing. You mentioned that in the last episode, and once again, I got some buddies that have done some four wheeling and and really hadn't thought about that before. So 
why would one have a removable uh, winch? You know, maybe they might need it from the front mount or mm -hmm. the rear mount, mm -hmm. maybe? Instead of just so, hard mounting one in the front, and then one day you happen to be four-wheeling in the Rocky Mountains or Sierras or, or wherever, and all of a sudden... Okay, here, here's a good example. Let's say... I'm following you, and you just happen to fall down into a 10-foot ravine. You mean like I'm driving my buddy's truck, um, like in the Grand Tetons, and I just happen to roll it off the side of a mountain? Not that bad. Not that badly? Not that bad. Okay. Let's <clears throat> say you just... Scratch that. Forget I even mentioned that. Yeah. You're, you're <clears throat> driving through the broom brush, and you don't realize that there is a 10-foot ravine in front of you. Oh, yes. And you just happen. go, boop, yes. nose down. Well... You're only as uh, effective as the length of your chain. So, it's true. I'm not going to put myself in a position to where I'm going to get pulled down into the ravine with you. Exactly. You can't do me so, any. You can't help me if you're in trouble yourself. I would hook the chain to your truck and then hook the uh, front winch to the end of the chain and then pull my back winch to. A tree. I see. Then all I got to do is I got to, you know, trigger in each Dual hand. control. Yeah. And I can hit the back one, which would pull it up a little bit, tighten up the front, then winch you out, winch me up, winch you out, and just kind of... Stair step up. Stair step all the way up until you are clear of the ravine, and then unhook, and you just drive on away, and I unhook, throw my stuff away, and we leave. I see. <clears throat> Or, you know, yes. it just could be the opposite direction. Let's say, you know, we're on a, a very skinny little road and you happen to go off the edge of the road. I can't turn around to use my front-mounted winch to pull you out. Exactly. But I can use my rear-mounted winch to hook onto you and drive forward as I'm winching you out at the same time. Exactly. And then... All you got to do is you just take it off, you stow it away, and nobody's none the See, wiser. you wouldn't be able to do that with a like Chevy S10 pickup truck. No. Or, say, a, a new Ford Maverick or something like that. No. Or an F-150 or you know, anything huh. like that. Yeah, I don't even think I'd want to do it with a half-ton truck either. Yeah, yeah. That, the outcome would just not be uh, conducive to no. the uh, well-being of my vehicle. <clears throat> no. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, and, and the other thing that I would do is I would probably put, probably put e either a two or a three inch lift on here. Not because I want it to sit up really high. It's just more of a clearance issue and a leveling issue. Um, because, you know, the, the back end of the truck sits a little higher than the front, which I don't like. I like it to be nice and level, so... You know, put a level lift on it and be done with it. Hmm. Then maybe sense. put some, uh, probably put some uh, high travel gas shocks on the front and back, and uh, call it a day. Huh? Pretty much. Yeah, because you really well, don't have to put a whole lot into these trucks. The then, then up. maybe put some solar panels on top of my uh, uh, camper shell in the back. 
there you go. Run that through and have a battery pack in the back. Now, yeah, exactly. See, that's the whole thing. Ford really knocked the ball out of the park when they brought out that power boost in the 150. I mean, really, when you have up to, what, 7,000 or 7 kilowatts Well, you, you know why they, the, uh, they put it on the F-150, because when it breaks down, at least you can charge your phone. Well, exactly. Well, your phone, your neighbor's phone, the guy down the street's phone. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, with 7 kilowatts, man, you could have a Gigantor phone and charge yeah. that sucker. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> or what you do, you, you tow your camper trailer behind you so you can live off grid, quote unquote off grid, while you're waiting for help to come and get the truck and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And you can just have your air conditioning on and all that cool stuff. And then, you know, then we drive by and say, hi, how you doing? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead and unhook your truck. Uh, let me let me hook onto your trailer. I'll move it out of the way, and we just drive it. <laughs> yeah, let me take care of that trailer for you. <laughs> you yeah, really don't need that it's, anymore. It's in the way, and I don't want to bump into right. it. So. Right, we we can't have a road hazard here. No, yeah. no, no, no. We have to uh, make sure we we clear all road hazards. Yeah, See? exactly. <clears throat> but no, really, they did a good job putting that. that in. Now, once again, I'm not a big uh, fan of the eco fart. I mean, eco. Uh, the, the 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 eco. Eco-turd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eco-boost, <coughs> eco that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the twin-turbo direct injection and all this stupid, I'm sorry, uh, marvelous uh, new technology that might break, I mean, would never break down or anything like that in a situation that would require, you know, like a, a doomsday, um, <laughs> you know, type of response or anything like that. Well, Once again, yeah. it goes back to that having a good good old-fashioned big v8 that you can see all the spark plugs and wires and all that stuff because obviously anything can go wrong you still want to keep extra fuses and stuff like that because even on a truck like this you still have a whole bunch of freaking electronic crap that i would rather not have on yeah. a on a truck but you know we can't get everything that we want these days for some reason i don't know why but yeah, so you have to make do with what you can get and get the best option possible. And for us, it happens to be the Super Duty with a ginormous Godzilla torquey <laughs> gasoline engine. And the other thing we love about these things is they are so far overbuilt that you can literally slap a supercharger on this sucker and not have to do a deadly darn thing to the engine. And when you put a yeah. supercharger on these things, like the Whipple 3-liter supercharger, not that I've done any research or anything on this... But uh, one might choose to bolt a supercharger on his Godzilla engine, and suddenly one is looking at uh, well over 600 horsepower and well into the... What was it? Zero to seven, 60 in like three seconds? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, three seconds, and then with a trailer, what, what was it? A 15,000-pound trailer, zero to 60 in what, about 15 seconds? I thought it was less than that. But Maybe in 13 seconds? Yeah. But somewhere, yeah. Um, which, I mean, unladen... Three point some odd seconds is impressive because that's what only a second or two faster than a, a C8 Corvette. Yeah, you know, two point nine or right around the three second mark there. So, uh, well, when you're it, once again you're thinking about a seven thousand pound gigantic brick flying through the yeah. air, um, you know that's impressive. So throwing and of course also for for the for the uh, you know um, uh, gearheads out there. Uh, those tests of which we're referring were only, th those Whipples were only set at about seven pounds of boost, six pounds of boost. Mm -hmm. um, no, not very much boost, really, when you think about it. So not a great deal of stress on the engine, which means with a conservative uh, boost level, um, if one were to take care of his 
engine, you know, change the oil on time and, and put decent gas in it and everything else, you know, that sucker could still last a better part of a lifetime. Well, I mean, it would definitely last that long as long as you don't beat on it. Exactly. That's the thing. <clears throat> but, you know, that's the problem because once you get that set up, you're going to want to put your foot in it. You know, you got to get that out of your system for a little bit. Well, you you got to... The whole thing is you, you got to do it justice. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know, buying a Raptor and then not taking it off-road. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is... The, the, the reason the Raptor came out, I mean, I was living out west when the Raptor came out, and I was so excited when that Raptor, the Gen 1 Raptor came out. You know, it was a V8, <clears throat> uh, you know, the, prior to the Eco Fart. I mean, you know, uh, at any rate, <clears throat> um, the whole thing is, you know, those things were designed to drive 80 to 100 miles an hour in a desert, uh, <laughs> going through washouts, uh, going over washouts, <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. And I do have to hand it to Ford um, because I have read of a number of scenarios where people did do that out in the desert. Uh, they ended up, you know, destroying an A-arm or something, you know, did some type of damage because they did not know how to jump the vehicle and ended up landing nose first instead of, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> oopsie, uh, you know, oh, my ignorance caused a, a massive crash. Whoops. And, and so they called up Ford or, or had it towed to the service station, at, uh, you know, service department at a dealership. And Ford actually uh, supported and covered the repairs under the warranty because uh, from the Ford factory rep stating that, yes, the Raptor was designed to do just that. Mm -hmm. And that is impressive. And don't get me wrong, there are a number of situations and incidents of which we can read and, and research where Ford and also other manufacturers like Ram and GM did not take care of their um, clientele as they should have, and obviously that's not a, a good thing. But uh, I was actually somewhat impressed that um, there well, at least were a handful of situations where Ford actually backed their warranty and and uh, covered a repair with a jumped truck. <laughs> I, I can speak uh, as a former Dodge Ram owner. Um, <clears throat> if you spend the money to buy a Dodge Ram, you need to be beat around the head and neck area. I'm just going to say it. Well, they suck. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now that we're on that level... <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm they just putting suck. it out there. Dodge Rams suck. It, Transmissions it, don't they aren't worth it. Well, actually, that's that's why they had to go to ZF and put ZF transmissions in their trucks because Dodge. You know, if you get one with the Hemi in it, well, you know, enjoy it for the first thirty thousand miles because then it's gonna just fall apart. The transmissions don't last for nothing. Then um, you're gonna. Take a picture of your truck because when you come out in the next morning, you're going to have no rocker panels. The, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, that's right. Every, every nook and cranny that mud can sit in there, that's going to sit and it will eat through the body panels and you're going to have holes in it. Um, oh, and what, oh, that's right. The back window is going to leak. So the compartment underneath the back seat will be a puddle. I almost forgot about that um, story. Let's yeah. see. What else is there? Now that ruined, didn't that ruin your entire, uh, floor pan? Yeah. I mean, in the 
was it just the passenger side or did it no, uh, no, no, rust no. out? No, no, no. It the was hole? the whole back underneath the seat. Oh dear heavens! I forgot about that story. And you don't know that it's happening until you get in there one time and you're like, "What is that moldy smell?" And then you got you start looking around. You lift up the back seat and there's like three inches of water. Oh. And you have to take the back seat out. You have to take the carpet off the back wall. <clears throat> then you have to take the carpet off the floor, suck it out. And then, of course, you know, they have that, that cotton batting underneath there. Right. And that just sucks the water up and it holds yep, it. Sure does. So when you take that out and you start cleaning that mess up, then you start going, huh, what is that? Is that rust? Boonk. And you push your finger right through the floor. Oh, you did, didn't you? You pressed mm -hmm. your finger right through the floorboard. And how old was that truck? Excuse me. Mm. What was that one? That was a... Now that was the Canadian-built truck, correct? Yeah, or built it was... built for Canada? It was the Canadian version, and it was... Uh, what was it, like a 2010? 2012? Something like that? I, I can't remember which one it was, but... Yeah, it... Uh, it didn't last very long. Wow. I mean, it literally started falling apart. Now, what about this Hemi? I, I had read a lot about the 5.7 having being a pretty decent engine, but well, what, what problems did you have with yours? Here's the thing. So I had a Dodge, I had a Charger, I had the Hemi in it. I didn't have no problem with it at all. And I had my Ram, which had the Hemi in it. Uh, it developed a low-end knock. Um, every sensor... About every three months, I was replacing every sensor from the wow. idle control, all the, all of them. I literally had boxes of that stuff that the check engine light would come on. I'd be like, oh, okay, time to change sensors. Change them. Oh I took it gosh. in and had them look at it, and they could not find why that it, they would go bad. But you would change them out, done. Wow. And now, you'd be good for three months. Just a reminder, Frank is a professionally trained mechanic. So uh, he does know uh, quite a bit about mechanical theory and, and how things should work as opposed to how they actually work. So, um, Well, now, I, I will say this. Um, the best thing to do with a Dodge Ram is a rag and a gallon of gas and a match. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll tell you, I did a lot of research on on Ram truck on the on the three quarter ton trucks that they're heavy duties, and I did learn about a uh, it was an inherent design flaw of the three ninety two V eight the six point four liter gas engine. Oh, the fact that it's a Dodge. Well, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I hate to say it, but it, it does come down to that. And there again, I will say Ford and GM have uh, built plenty of. of dud engines in the past you know oh so, like the ls <clears throat> uh the direct copy of a ford windsor v8 block by the way yeah except for the borders backwards well yeah <clears throat> yeah <laughs> but at any rate yeah <clears throat> yeah when 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 the the ram 64 uh basically there, there's an oiling problem uh with it it, it you do not want to idle that engine for very long at all um under speed uh it will do just fine the oil will flow however the oil pressure drops uh and the um cam basically sits a little too high in the engine block 
is what it comes down to. Uh, was the bottom line. Burns flat spots in it. There you go. And that's an, just an inherent design flaw. So, in other words, there's no easy fix to that. You just don't well, take it into they, the shop and say, hey, can you fix the knock or whatever. They had, um, I can't remember what company it was, but they had a, um, um, a high-volume oil pump that you could get aftermarket for it. Okay. But that wouldn't even fix it. That's the thing. It basically, if you did not change your driving habits, in other words, you start up the truck and you immediately get on the interstate or wherever, and you maintain, you know, get that RPM up uh, because any idle time at all would just start to clog up. And they even played with the weight of the oil. Yeah. And it's still, even with a lightweight oil, still wasn't enough. Yes. Now Ford also um, with their five liter V8s and their and their F one fifties, people have to realize you know uh, that can tend to burn oil a bit because it is a high compression V eight engine. It is basically a Mustang engine in a pickup truck, which once again that's one reason. If I had an F one fifty, yeah, I'd prefer a V eight over an Eco Fart or what have you. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it's a what twelve point something twelve to one compression engine, so you're gonna yeah. need synthetic oil. You're gonna uh, do that, and most of the guys I know of that have those engines, they run very well, and they do present uh, uh, produce the torque needed. But once again, being uh, more of a, a sport engine, you have to build up the RPM a little bit before the torque kicks in, as opposed to once again, having something called a Godzilla, you know, one need not worry about that. Um, so, uh, but just a, a note that, yeah, even even the V8s, um, you know, normally aspirated V8s in the 150s, uh, you have to figure out, um, you know, synthetic oil and stuff like that so they don't burn. Yeah, but it was kind of inherent with that time frame of V8s. It didn't matter what one of the big three... You either got one that ran like a top, or you got a turd. Yep. There was no middle ground. Well, look at the five four engines in the in the Fords. Um, yeah, the Hemi's the same way back in the in the middle two thousands the same way because they, almost all of them uh, developed piston slap mm-hmm. between the LS, the Hemi's, and the and the Fords. And the Fords were overhead cam engines, so you're talking about two different designs of V8s, gas V8s, and all of them. Uh, were well, almost all of them were developing some version of piston slap, uh, which if you don't know what that is, if you first start up your engine, you know it, it's much louder than a, a ticking sound. It is more like a, a small slap sound, if you will. If you were to take your hand and gently slap your cheek, one of your facial cheeks, then um, you you hear that sound when it first the the uh, engine first starts up, and once it warms up, that uh, normally fades away. Well, <laughs> except for some LS owners, some Hemi owners, and some uh, 5.4 liter uh, Ford engine owners, uh, after not a whole lot of mileage, probably 30, 40, 50,000 miles, which isn't too much, you know, when you're talking about the, the, the grand total of mileage on, on most of these vehicles these days, uh, <clears throat> the piston slap would not really fade. And then all of a sudden you started having issues. Um, uh, cam phasers and, and all kinds of stuff start failing, and, and pretty soon, oh, I got to replace an engine. Well, <clears throat> so like the 4.6, the 5.4, they had the um, 
there were two timing chains. Mm-hmm. Well, then General Motors came out with the three, oh God, what was it, 3.6. <clears throat> and they put that in the uh, in the Cadillacs, the mid two thousand Cadillacs, and it had the same exact design. And don't get me wrong, it was an alum- aluminum engine and everything. And when it ran correctly, it would run like a bat out of hell. Um, <clears throat> but. The phasers that they put in there, instead of being like Teflon, they were plastic. There you go. And what would happen is, if you got on it too hard and you beat on it a little bit, it would actually spin them around where instead of being on the inside, they'd be on the outside. And it would literally knock itself out of time. And then the phasers would spin back around and... You know, you could be 180 degrees out of time and never even know it. Until it's too late. Yeah, you're blowing an engine at that point. But that's the thing. These are some examples, and that's what we're tossing out here as is, is opposed to uh, one reason we chose the, the, the engine and the drivetrain that we did is that, at least in theory and what, we've, what we know so far, Ford really put uh, a lot of heavy-duty parts in this V8 engine. And genuinely overbuilt that engine as i said in the last episode designed for you know uh continuous idle situations in very cold environments up in alaska stuff like that so once again the engine's only been in these trucks for what three year three years now three and a half something like that so time will tell we'll see you know hopefully the last 30 40 50 years and you know, and I, just like with everything else, you got to take care of your stuff. If you want your stuff to take care of you, you've got to take care of your stuff, just like firearms or anything else. But uh, the whole idea is <clears throat> if uh, poop really does hit the fan and we have uh, a minimal amount of resources to maintain our vehicles, then we want something that can handle, you know, uh, longer term oil changes and, and things like that, which in theory, uh, the drivetrain that we chose can, can do that. So, once again, we'll hopefully we don't have to test that. <laughs> hopefully, well, it, we don't have a God uh, situation. But once didn't again, didn't they estimate that you could go up to seven thousand? Actually, with these engines, uh, we can actually, depending upon the oil used, uh, because there's some, uh, Schaefer's uh, makes an oil, for instance, that uh, is rated, and I have just read two different tests. Um, there are uh, Godzilla owners that have gone uh, just over 10,000 miles between oil changes. And when they change the oil, of course, they check the oil and it was still, um, it was dark honey brown, but it was not black oil coming out of the crankcase after, I think it was 10 or 11,000 miles uh, since the last oil change. So that's the nice thing about these. And of course, that's another thing uh, Ford put a larger oil pan in the base because we're at almost eight quarts of oil which is Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of oil for a gasoline engine so uh, that's the whole idea and once again um, it's uh, it's an old school of thought but uh, you know I my 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 dad ran a a small construction equipment business uh, when I was growing up so um, I'm by no means a trained mechanic or anything like that but I've rebuilt a carburetor or two here and there and um i was taught to it, it when i actually got a new truck i actually 
changed the oil after about 1,100 miles to get the break-in crap, all the molybdenum stuff and, and crap out of the crankcase and stuff like that, and then changed the oil again at about three or 4,000 miles to try to flush out some of that break-in stuff so we didn't have, or I didn't have so many pieces of crap, you know, in the oil in theory. So, uh, once again, there's different schools of thought on that. Uh, I, I, I know guys that have, uh, bought trucks or cars and, and did the five or 6,000 mile oil changes. Um, uh, and that's it. And ended up with a car or truck that lasted, you know, a quarter million miles. So, um, it's kind of a to each his own type of thing, but, um, yeah, and then there's somebody like me who that one black truck, the Chevy Z71 I had, I never changed the oil. Now, that was a plow truck that you had, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it would get low, and I would just get a bottle of Lucas oil stabilizer and just put it in there. Now, I did. I, I bought an old, um, it was an old Ford Fairlane. It was a 67 Ford Fairlane with a straight six in it, uh, which was actually a great engine. A little 200 cubic inch thing. But the whole point is, um, it had a main seal leak <laughs> when I bought the car. Of course, I picked it up for, what, 200 bucks. You know, I, I just got it as a, I had a Mustang at the time. And like, okay, I can, uh, when I'm working on the Mustang, I've got something to drive and, oh, yeah. you know, type of thing. So it was great to have a second vehicle. Uh, but at any rate, the cool part about having a main seal that leaks <laughs> is that... <laughs> <laughs> All I have to do is add some Lucas and a, a quart of oil about every thousand miles, and guess what? I've got perpetually clean oil. That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> it was funny, and I actually, we did. I pulled that car before I, I sold it. I pulled that car uh, into my dad's shop, and, and we popped the, the valve cover off of it. Looked down in there. There was zero sludge. <laughs> it looked like a new engine. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is great. Well, I, and I back mean, then, I, a quart of oil didn't cost me any more than, what, three bucks? You know, my, so. uh, That plow truck I had, I mean, you pull the dipstick, and it, it was <laughs> it was darker than the Ace of Spades, but you know what? It always had oil in it. Yeah. It well, never smoked. It never dripped. It never leaked oil anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I had a so, friend of mine that he had a, a main seal leak as well. He had a Plymouth uh, Grand Fury, uh, mid-70s, so it was one of those big, well, of course, I say uh, they used him as police cars in a lot of places out west. But, uh, yeah, that Grand Fury had a 318 in it, and um, he he took a, another theory, <laughs> used another approach. He just never changed his oil. He'd yeah. add a little bit. He checked the... Uh, the um, uh, <clears throat> content you know pull the dipstick and everything but what happened is that uh he just kept adding oil until literally the old oil started gumming up the the leak around the main seal so pretty soon it's just like well, well hey yeah then there's that school of thought too it's like so like that truck it had 400 and something thousand miles on it and you know if you start changing the oil you're going to cause problems. Yes. So I didn't want to put any money into the truck. So I just 
kept oil. You, in other words, you'd be loosening sludge and all kinds yeah. of stuff, and then all that stuff starts breaking loose inside the crankcase. Then it wreaks all kinds of havoc with, yep. uh, you know, it'll jam up rings. It'll, it'll, because there's bypass. And I know we're getting into a lot of technical terms. If you're not a gearhead, you're not going to understand. But when we talk about main seal leaks, what that means is somebody's going to have to pull the engine out of the vehicle and then replace seals and then put the engine back in, which requires a boatload of labor costs. And you're probably talking, what, five, six grand total. Well, in this day and age, probably more than that uh, as far as labor and parts and, and all that stuff. Because normally also a main seal would uh, a leak normally means that there's probably other issues afoot too uh, within the engine that <laughs> might require a rebuild or something like that. So. Uh, so that's what we mean when we talk about main seal leaks. Uh, we're talking about a very, very expensive repair. So uh, once again, if you're going to keep a vehicle for a year or so and, and drive it when you need to, okay, add some oil to it. See you later. I'm not going to dump, you know, four or five, six thousand dollars into a vehicle. It's not worth it. Uh, or I'm going to scrap anyway. So, Or you just set it on fire and be done with it. <clears throat> well, you could do that too. Hey, well, welcome to my uh, bonfire uh, this fall. Yeah, we're gonna have a special, <laughs> a special treat for everybody. <laughs> Watch this. You take four or five gallon things of. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Don't go there, man. Come on. Never mind. How many times have we talked about this? We cannot divulge that type of information on this channel. Never mind. Because we cannot give any type of legal advice or anything like that. We're not attorneys. We don't do anything like that. We can't tell people, you know, what to do legally. We're just knuckle draggers. That's it. All right, fine. How about gasoline and tannerite? That's all you need to know. Ah, <clears throat> it. All right. Pretend you didn't hear that. All right, just just forget that. Uh, yeah, you heard that last statement. Uh, we'll, 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 I, we'll all I said was gasoline is all right. Right. That's exactly what I heard. Yes. That's it. Yes, as opposed Gasoline to diesel. Gasoline yeah. is all right. Gasoline's great. I didn't uh, say gasoline and tannerite. I said gasoline is all right. Right. There you go. There you go. That's yeah. that, that's what I heard. Yes, that's what I heard as well. Yes. So, uh, yeah. That, but, yeah, we, we have these vehicles, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for preparation of uh, possible uh, uh, just not so good incidents that, well, that could arise. Well, you know, that does bring up a good... A good scenario that should be talked about. So, if you're cruising down the road and there's an obstacle in front of you blocking the roadway, um, 90% of the people are just going to push through it. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. At the front of every vehicle, you have a thing called a radiator. Yeah, yeah, and sure. if you go and push through something, the chances of you, you know, puncturing that radiator are extremely high. So that goes back to that modification you were talking about to your right. truck, then those bumpers. But yeah. if you do not do that modification, you know, the only thing you can do is slowly go up, you kiss it with the bumper, and then just. You slowly pour on the, the torque and the gas and you push it out of the way. Yes. Or if, you know, if it's, it's a, say it's an unmanned obstacle and you can do it, turn around and back into it. Yes, there you go. Because there's nothing in the back that you're going to mess up. That's true. You know, yeah, you may mess up your rear bumper or, you know, 
screw up the bedside or whatever, but yeah, you might do some cosmetic damage or something yeah. like that, but not. You're, you're, you know, you, the whole idea is you don't want to tear up your frame and and, and stuff like and that. And with, with the torque that this truck has, you literally, if you just go up to it, kiss it, and then just slowly pour on the the the, the gas pedal. You're well, gonna push it out of the way. Yeah, and you might need four wheel drive just because mm -hmm. it you know if you don't have a lot in the bed, uh, for instance, you know you have uh, most of your weight over your front wheels as opposed to your rear wheels. Yeah, you might need to pop into four wheel drive. Um, and then you can just you know once you get it going, you don't need to hammer the gas. You just keep that momentum going, and you will literally just push it right out of the way. Mm -hmm. And you know once you get it where you can get through you back up and you turn and you go around it exactly you know it's just the same way as like there's other obstacles like say if you're going if you have to um go through a ditch for example you don't go head first in the ditch you don't no well it's kind of like jumping that raptor and landing nose first <clears throat> yeah because what's going to happen is you're going to go down one side and your bumper is going to hit the other side and Ooh. You're stuck. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. You know, you you can't you can't go straight down, but you can't go at such a sharp angle because when you get down in there, you're going to have one tire is going to be high, and then the opposite tire is going to be high, and you're just going to sit there and teeter back and forth. So you kind of have to play with it until you can get two tires, and then you can push and pull yourself up the other side. And it's not a fast thing. It's not a power thing. It's not a, it's not a speed thing, because if you're going up in dirt, the worst thing you can do is break your tires loose. So you're telling me that if you don't freak out, and you just take a moment or two to assess your situation, and pay mm -hmm. attention to where your tires are, what what contact what tire has, and, and all that, that. Mm -hmm maybe even pop down to a lower gear maybe to to help magnify the torque you might just be able to get yourself out of a situation like that. i mean you you literally if, if you take this truck and you put it into four low and then put it on the manual side and leave it in first maybe second gear it will literally crawl itself out. oh this one will yes because you do and have the torque down if low. you if you need to give it the gas just feather it just tap on it a little bit just to give it a little bit of oomph to get going and it'll crawl itself out there you go and once again if you have an older vehicle especially all these older trucks that we still admire uh for their mechanical ability uh if you happen to have an automatic transmission uh don't be afraid to, to pop that sucker down into first gear second gear no, that's what it was designed for anyways. exactly but most people don't remember that i mean and once again how many people remember their their what they were taught in high school let alone in driver's ed and all this stuff and sure. nowadays most of these cars have all these electronic nannies on them that you don't even have to think anyway so most people once again you talk about vehicles that can that are um, uh beyond the driver's capability and we have a whole lot of drivers out here that have a diminished capability uh, because, I mean, how many drivers now are even taught uh, what a stick shift is, a manual transmission? Well, the majority so, of the drivers, you could put them in a Yugo and it, that's still beyond their ability. Well, exactly. That's my point. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, you have to, uh, once again, you have to, to know your tools, um, just like firearms and, and um, 
crowbars and, and everything else. So, yeah, the, the best way to do it is take your truck or whatever vehicle you have and take it out and play with it. Go get the thing muddy, go get it dirty, go see what it'll do, go see what the capabilities that you are comfortable with doing, and then just know that when you reach that that limit that truck is going to go even further so i could actually go have fun and learn about my truck mm -hmm. now can, can i roll it off the side of the mountain oh yeah you can go ahead okay <clears throat> i just want to see uh you know the the, the uh, structural integrity you know i, I want to test and the... let me know how that works out for you okay okay good deal well, I did it with my buddy's truck. I figured I could do it with my okay, truck. Okay, but let's 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 back up a little bit and let's examine what you just said. What? Roll the truck you down the side of You did it with your buddy's truck, not your truck. Well, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> intending to to go down the side of a mountain. I mean, it it was not something I was wanting to do. Um, but I will tell you one thing. I mean, yeah, all joking aside. I will tell you that's another uh, strong selling point for Ford Super Duties because it was a 2016 Ford Super Duty. It was a year um, <clears throat> prior to the Illuma Duties coming out in 17, and it was a uh, gas uh, crew cab short bed truck. And um, I won't get into all the reasons uh, behind this. We don't have time for that. But uh, basically, uh, yes, we literally took a tumble down the side <laughs> of one of the Grand Teton Mountains in that truck and I'm going to tell you I know it sounds funny but both of us should have been dead okay <laughs> we, we should not have survived that and we did and I'm going to tell you that first and foremost divine intervention is the reason why and Ford engineering is the second reason why and uh, yeah once that truck was recovered um, it took the better part of an afternoon to recover the truck by the way and um, when we got it uh, topside, so to speak, and um, we inspected it, um, yes, had it not been for the cage design of the cab and the frame design, uh, we would have been turned into pretzels. Well, more like pancake pretzels, you know, those yeah, flat I, I snack say, thing. Uh, yeah. If it had been in the other truck, you would have been flatter than pancakes. Yes, exactly. So, with that said, uh, we're going to have to conclude this episode. And, uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, get on our um, YouTube. Or not, what, what do we have now? Well, Facebook. Facebook. That's it, Facebook. Thanks, Frank. And anyway, uh, take care. We'll get back to you soon. Bye.